Welcome to episode 11 of Hot Takes Only. Uh, my name's Owen Hill, he's Willie Kniezner as always, and we're so happy you've tuned in to hear us talk about sports and give us give you takes that, quite frankly, may not make any sense, but that's why we do the show pretty much every week or so. Willie, great to have you on the show as usual. Got a lot of good stuff to get to this week. Um, we have two match days for uh, soccer slash world football. Um, that is two Champions League, uh, or I'm sorry, one week in the Champions League and one week at the Premier League. And uh, we had some really good games all around. I want to start it with the Champions League because I think there's a lot of really good content up and down uh, through all those fixtures. Just looking at the results and, and kind of remembering what happened on those days. Um, let's start with the, the Wednesday games because I feel like there's a lot more on Tuesday. Or Sorry, no, let's start with Tuesday. Um, big teams like Barcelona and Inter. Liverpool and Dortmund all played, um, not to mention Schalke and Napoli. So, Will, um, let's tee it off with kind of the marquee matchup of this group, or at least one of them, with Liverpool and PSG. What did you think of that match? I thought it was a, I thought it was a really fantastic match, and um, but um, really, and it was really great that Liverpool got the the winner at the end because I really think they deserve to win. So, but it was just, it was everything that we asked for coming into the game, you know? What did you think? Yeah, it was a, um, it was a really good, good match to watch. Um, I think my biggest complaint with it, obviously as a Liverpool fan, was just a little bit of the uh, defending um, and especially the giveaway to the equalizer. Um, Salah getting a ball like that, giving away a ball like that in midfield is not something you see a lot from him. Um, Mm -hmm. And his disappointment on the bench is something that has come under a lot of, I wouldn't say scrutiny, but a lot of uh, analysis, if you will, for lack of a better term, yeah. um, especially by a lot of the Liverpool press. Um, and I, I don't know, it, it just seemed like it was one of those games where Liverpool had every opportunity to really kill it. They had every opportunity to put the match out of reach for PSG, but they, you know, they did the kind of Liverpool thing and let them back in the game. Um, but, you know, they got the result at the end of the day, so that's really all you can care about. Um, that's really all that matters. You know what? Oh, no. I do want to bring this up because Liverpool, you know, their their team shape is so good this year. They're playing so well. And, you know, um, it's not like they're really vulnerable defensively, but this is two games in a row. You know, against Tottenham on the weekend too, they almost let up a two nothing lead and very equal at very easily Tottenham could have had a penalty there at the end to tie the game. So I mean, while it was a very good performance, I think that is a little bit um, something to watch going forward. Yeah, and and Klopp was right to highlight that. He said Liverpool should be expecting problems in the near future, especially given the matchups that they have after Southampton at home this weekend. They've got Chelsea twice in the span of a week. Uh, and that's never an easy matchup. Of course, Chelsea and Liverpool right now, the top two teams in England celebrate, se- celebrated? Uh, separated by just a one goal uh, in the goal differential column. But uh, both teams playing really well, and I think that's your spot on there, kind of giving giving these big teams, these really talented teams like PSG and, and, and Tottenham chances to get back in the game really late on. Um, I think with Liverpool, it, it was more a case of, uh, I don't want to say individual errors, but just players that you wouldn't expect to slip up in moments sure. like this, um, particularly Mo, Mo Salah, who last year really didn't put a foot wrong. But I want to bring back a point that I brought up a lot last season. If you look at all of the ch- all of the goals he scored last season relative to the number of chances he had uh, and could have scored, 
uh, he, I mean, he could have easily scored. I, I don't want to say sixty goals, but just just shy of that. I mean, he sure. he easily missed a lot of one on ones, uh, not quite open nets, but really good chances. And that's just kind of par for the course. But in, in the game against PSG, he really gave it away cheaply in the middle of the park. And and you know, Liverpool they have this mentality where they they attack as a team and they defend as a team, and that seemed to be the kind of um, it, it just. You, I don't want to say you saw a dip in work rate from Salah, but it, it wasn't the same Salah that we saw last season with the intensity and the work rate. And maybe that's something that Klopp is going to have to talk with him about a little bit. Like, yes, you, we know you scored all these goals last season, but we need you to keep on working as a team. Um, and I, I don't think it, it, it's a it's a slight towards Salah or, or the dressing room mentality. I think it's just more of a question of, you know, it, it has been a very long 2018 for Mo Salah. Of course, most of his goals from that incredible 2017-18 season came in the 2018 calendar year. And then obviously with the uh, the injury in the Champions League final and then impacting the World Cup and then ha- not having the best World Cup in the world and then having a short vacation and then having to come back quickly and play uh, a pretty tough uh, little sp- little stretch that Liverpool have in the next few weeks or so. Um, but, it, you know, I, I think it'll it'll resolve itself at the end of the day. I think Klopp's a good enough manager and he knows his team well enough to be able to work around this. But you're right. It is something to, to keep an eye on for sure. And especially yeah. with a, with a team like Napoli in their group, it's that they, they can't really fall asleep, if you will. Are you concerned? I mean, are you concerned that this will keep up? Because I mean, you brought it up last show, but you know, he's been he's been missing chances he normally makes. He there was a, a time or two where you know he could have passed, but into the other players, but he didn't. And like you said, this time this game is his body language after he made that pass really seemed negative. So you just. You just wonder if he, you know, he's just struggling a bit. Maybe I, I would rest him for a game or something, and then maybe he'll get, he'll get back on track. Yeah, and I think that with the, uh, with the Carabao Cup coming up, uh, obviously you don't want to field a weak team against Chelsea, but uh, you have to think some of the players are going to be rotated in the squad. Um, obviously, there's a lot of, there's a lot of quality up and down the squad with players like Firmino and Sturridge. Uh, Firmino actually coming off the bench, obviously, to get that winner. Uh, but you think of Daniel Sturridge, Dom Selecki, and Divock Origi when they're both healthy, when they're both healthy. Um, we haven't even mentioned Fabinho or Jaron Shakiri sure. in the show yet, and, and these are two players who have gotten are really good time so far under Klopp. But when they have, they've they've looked very good. Um, I think Shakiri. You bring up a really interesting point, Owen, because uh, Liverpool have a ton of fixtures coming up. Not only with the League Cup with Chelsea, but in the next weeks, and for the next three four weeks, they play um, midweek games and weekend games. And I would like to see because Liverpool have so much depth this year i'd like to see them for the southampton game rotate players but i'm very curious to see because klopp only made two changes you know and one was out of necessity putting in storage for injured Firmino. so i'm curious to see where he's what he's going to prioritize and how much he's going to rotate players yeah and, and it'll be something to watch for sure I, I think definitely he's finally realized that every match in england is a tough one and you can't really afford to keep your you know take your foot off the gas even if you kind of expect to win the game so i i don't think we'll see a a weakened side per se but we will see one i think that is is not kind of of the same quality of one required to face a a psg in the champions league or a chelsea in the league uh or a tottenham away uh or or any any kind of you know big matchup if you will for sure. Right, to avoid spending time too much too much time well, on, on this. I do point. want to bring up one more time, uh, one more quick point on Liverpool, though. Then okay. we'll move on. I think that Jordan Henderson, we were talking about this a little bit, played extremely well. He was plugging in the gaps. He was in the right spot. He was making tackles. You know, he w- wasn't giving the ball away, but really just defensively disciplined. 
And this just brings up a really interesting dilemma because to me, right now, um, James Milner is playing so well, he has to be in the lineup. And Wijnaldum is very athletic and he gives you a little bit of speed, which if Cates is not in the lineup, he gives you. And I think that um, this brings up a really interesting point because while Keita does play defensively, you know, Henderson's perhaps a little bit better on defense, but Keita surely won't like sitting against the big clubs. So I'm curious how you think Klopp's going to handle this situation, you know, not to mention the other two midfielders. Well, not to mention Fabinho as well um, in there. So how do you think he'll handle that situation? Uh, he, he's definitely got a bit of a, a dilemma on his hands in terms of selection, especially in the midfield. Um, but I do think the kind of starting three in that midfield he, he led the season with is going to be the one that, at least in this first part of the season, until Fabinho gets acclimated to playing with the team, that's going to be the team he rolls with. I think ideally he'd like to be able to play Fabinho in that number six kind of you know, haven't really acclimated to the way Liverpool play. Because, you know, obviously Fabinho came from a system where he's much more of a traditional number six, really sits in the in the hole uh, in between mm-hmm. the midfield and defense, really shielding the back four. Liverpool don't have one of those players. They have a kind of Jordan Henderson uh, hybrid that where he's a little bit of box-to-box, he's a little bit of uh, a number six as well. So he's he's not really one of those two roles. But yep. he, he, he serves it really efficiently, and he's obviously club captain too. But Milner's just playing so well that you cannot drop him at this point in time. So I think it's it, it, it's going to be a tough one. But ultimately, when Fabinho comes back, he's going to be the guy. And then Keita, obviously, is one of the first names on the team sheet, not just because of his price, but because of his quality. He'll slot right in there. And then the last spot will be probably Wijnaldum or, or Henderson. And then that's not even factoring in you know this season and beyond, or beyond the season when, when Oxlade-Chamberlain comes back from his injury. That's right. And when Lallana uh, is fit, he's also... Another name to to be considered. So there's a lot of moving pieces with Liverpool's midfield, but Klopp is definitely, uh, you know, he'd rather have this problem than the converse, which is to not have enough midfield and players and try to have to plug gaps that way. Uh, Ab- I'm move absolutely. on to the other matchups. Um, as, as far as the the big ones in the group stage, I think a lot of the surprising ones or the or the kind of bigger results, if you will, were on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot more to talk about, especially with Cristiano Ronaldo uh, and Juventus. But I want to briefly wrap up the. Uh, the Tuesday matchups, uh, Barcelona handily beating PSV Eindhoven 4-0, even having a man sent off. Um, I think that was, I believe they have as a man sent off in that game. Um, Inter yeah. uh, snatching a late winner against Tottenham at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tottenham are still struggling a little bit for, uh, you know, for not having brought in any big names over the summer. Um, that's, I think, starting to haunt them a little bit, and they're going to have to really figure out something to, to get out of this little hole, you know, dropping three matches in a row. Uh, for a team that's we've talked about we as in the general uh, sports media uh, having progressed so much over the last few years just not having it uh, Dortmund grabbing a late winner against Club Brugge uh, away uh, Christian Pulisic scoring that goal Galatasaray mm-hmm. beating Lokomotiv Moscow 3-0 uh, Red Star Belgrade draw with Napoli that's a big result for Liverpool's group that means yep. uh, they get a nice three po- a nice sorry two point gap at the top uh, with PSG actually sitting now in last after one match day, but that's not gonna that's not gonna last very long. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Schalke and Porto drawing one one. I think that was a, a bit of a shock and, for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, um, I think a lot of people had Porto uh, just on the balance of play how they'd both been doing. Schalke not playing that well to start the year. That's right. But uh, you know they they got back in the Champions League last year for a reason. They've, they're a really quality side, um, and they've been able to produce a lot of good young German talent. And this year's no different. Mm-hmm. No, they just have a lot. Of, they have some new pieces um, this year, and I think 
I think there's a lot of talent. You know, sometimes you see, um, you know, it just takes a little bit of time to gel. And I think it, it was nice to see them. It was nice to see a team like Atletico, who, whose domestic, both teams, for you know, their domestic form was struggling, but they got the big wins in the Champions League. Yeah. So definitely. I think that's key. And also, I think the biggest shock was Manchester City losing to Lyon at home. Uh, I don't think there's really cause to panic, but, um, you know, they just, Man City just seem a bit off the pace. Um, but I think I think they should still win the group. Yeah, no, I, I think Man City, it, it, at least if they don't win the group, they'll finish second in the group. They're going to progress the, to the knockout stages. I mean, I think that if they were to not make the knockout stages uh, or win the league and also fail to win the league, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy, but I feel like that might be grounds for firing Pep Guardiola. Um, wow. You know, that's that's more of a hot take than anything, and it's also we're also very early. This is, you know, it's a way overreaction. But if you back a manager with that much money, and he's so-called the greatest yeah. manager that's ever played, and the team last year was kind of, you know, heralded as the greatest team to ever play in the English game, then you have to deliver results as well. The style yeah. is not enough. Um, you know, pretty much any pundit will tell you that, the substance will only go. The style only goes so far. You need to have the substance, and if they can't produce the substance in the form of trophies, then you know is is Guardiola really the right guy? But again, it's been one match day. I think they're fine. Um, Delph made a mistake. I think now we're starting to see what some of the players that Guardiola has in this team are, are really capable of. Um, Delph being one of them. I, I don't think he's kind of the the kind of player Guardiola demands in his squad. Um, no. I think he's a good player, but he's not a Guardiola he's starting type of player. Versatile, but he's not at the level. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I, that's no knock on Delph. It's just Guardiola's system requires an incredibly, incredibly technically gifted player. I just don't think Delph is that kind of player. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's just one of those things. I mean, you, you look at what he prioritizes in players up and down the pitch. You think of Ederson, very good on the ball. Full back by trade, turning mm-hmm. the goalkeeper. John Stones better on the ball than he is without it yep. as a defender. Uh, Laporte, Laporte kind of the same, kind putting of same him at center back. Yeah, uh, Fernandinho again, kind of that plug on the gap in the middle of the park, but also very gifted with the ball. See, it's it, there's a lot of trends, mm-hmm. and that doesn't, you know, that's not even to mention that they play without Kevin De Bruyne for the the better part of the year so far. And I think um, some, I think the World Cup, like Gabriel Jesus, seems a bit off, bit off the pace too. He's another guy this season. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, last year they lost to Monaco. It was kind of a shock game in the round of 16. They still went through. So I think it could be one of those games. Yeah, definitely. I actually think the bigger issue, Owen, um, I actually think that um, Pochettino could be a little bit on the hot seat. I know that sounds crazy because he doesn't have the money. He They had no money spent in the transfer window. But if Tottenham doesn't contend in the league, or they're struggling to get in the top four, and they crash out of the Champions League. And this, Owen, seems to me, I just don't know if if, Ta- if Tottenham can win the big games. We always talk about it, and we thought after the Manchester United win that they'd broke through. But I don't know whether it's fatigue or if it's just this theme, but maybe this team just doesn't have it mentally to win the big games. That's been the problem in the five years of Pochettino. And at some point, it falls back on the manager. Yeah, no, I, I agree to an extent. I mean, I feel like the, just the way they've been able to, to shape the team, uh, Pochettino and his staff, has, has been positive for Tottenham, and I think they, they need to look at it more on the positive. Um, this was always going to be a rough year for them, especially with the money coming out for the stadium and sure. now the stadium being delayed. I mean, I think that was supposed to be their big thing this year, but that hasn't panned out, and all of a sudden you're looking at a squad with no reinforcements and then players feeling fatigue from the world cup. I mean, Harry Kane was, was gone for so long. He finally scored in August, but you know, he's, yep. he was, 
I think at, at one point in uh, in the game, he had the fewest touches of any player. Uh, this is uh, on the weekend against yeah. Liverpool. There was the fewest touches of any player uh, on the sure. pitch, which is, you know, for a guy who's supposed to be your guy, it's disappointing, to say the least. Yeah. They also have a bunch of players on the team who are, you know, played in late stages of the World Cup. Exactly. So if the yeah. team so can... Yeah. Just a lot going on there. Um, and quickly, I mean, what are your thoughts on the Ronaldo red card? Uh, honestly, I haven't seen it back from a great angle enough times. Um, mm-hmm. From what I did see, there wasn't enough in it for me to, yeah. you know, for me to say definitively that it was a red card. Um, if he did what it kind of looks like he did, then I guess that's fair. At the same time, uh, I do think that maybe Ronaldo's finally starting to get a little bit of this uh you know what happens to players who play spanish teams um yeah i I feel like there is this bias with la liga and i'm gonna go on record and say it i feel like the la liga teams get the benefit of the doubt nine times out of ten with referees i mean you see that with Mm. teams like atletico madrid with the amount that they foul versus the amount that they get fouled um teams like real madrid obviously um getting cuadrado sent off in the champions league final not this past season but the season before um I know there's a lot of isolated, you know, incidents, and I don't want to extrapolate too much on that. But there's definitely something to be said about the uh, maybe not favoritism, but the preference to overlook a lot of the discrepancies from La Liga teams. Uh, that said, if if it is, you know, really a red card offense, um, then you know I think it's fine. Uh, the one thing I did see before we came on air though was was a headline saying that Ronaldo's match ban might just be one. Yeah, I think uh, it's so going to be one. Play Man United. And I think yeah. that's, that's something UEFA will kind of look favorably upon is, is the Absolutely. Kind of the return they'll get on seeing Cristiano Ronaldo, kind of the, the favorite son of Man United going back there uh, with Juventus. So, you know, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I think there is a little bit of uh, funny business going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you saw the tears. I think he's just really struggling to... Um, he's been struggling this season. They they're trying to figure out where his best position is. I think I think he'll um, he'll get it going. Yeah, I mean but, he finally scored at the weekend for for Juve, so it, you know no yeah. cause for concern. I, I don't think. I think I I initially brought it up on the show when we had Nick last week, but you know it was only a matter of time before he found his footing and he scored two quick goals for for the old lady. So no harm, no foul. All good for Juventus. They'll they'll wrap up the league, no problem. Champions League is going to be their goal this year. Uh, yep. So a lot to look forward to. Um, Absolutely. Aside from the Man City Leon game, there really weren't any any major surprises. I mean, that's kind of the big one, and we've we've already spent time talking about that. But some of the other ones, we had Ajax in Amsterdam or Ajax and Athens, excuse me, AEK Athens. Uh, mm-hmm. Ajax winning three nil handily at home. Shakhtar Donetsk and Hoffenheim uh, drawing two two. Of course, Hoffenheim, the rookies in the Champions League this year, um, after right. failing to qualify last year, just barely. Bayern Munich taking care of business at Benfica. Uh, yep. No surprise there. Bayern Munich, of course, heavy favorites to win this competition year in and year out. Real Madrid against Roma, the three-time holders, winning 3-0 uh, against last year's semifinalist, Victoria Pilsen, uh, 2-2 with CSK Moscow, and Young Boys losing 3-0 at home to Manchester United. Um, I think there's a little bit of right in the ship going on at Man United. I think Mourinho's finally gotten the the conversation away from him and back onto I guess what we what we expected to be on is is more just the competitions he's in um you know he's still firmly under the microscope don't get me wrong and and every result is going to be heavily scrutinized mm-hmm. by members of the English media but I think a lot of the problems he was having earlier on in the season have have at least not been as bad 
And, and to build off that, they've got a couple things going in their favor because, A, uh, Valencia is in really bad form domestically, and they did not play uh, very well in the Champions League, so there seems to be an opening where they can finish second, and uh, Anthony Martial got back on the score sheet, so that's a good sign for them going forward. Yeah, he's he's definitely uh, disgruntled to say the least. The, the yep. Man United striker. Um, you know, we, you thought when he scored that Liverpool that goal against Liverpool on his debut, he was going to be the next big thing. But you know, three different managers in that time, and it hasn't really worked out. Or two different managers, I'm sorry, and it hasn't really worked out for him. So, want to yep. keep an eye on that, that young Martial. See if he goes anywhere in the January window if things get worse at United. And I just want to also, in in one other final note. I just want to go on a record and say I know that they've been looking really bad this city this this tournament, but I think that Roma is a team that in a few months is going to be really good. Really? Yeah, I think the additions of not only Zanzin Pastori, but I think Patrick Schick um, is going to be really Patrick is a really good young player. I just I think that they're just kind of struggling to put the pieces together right now. Um, they also got another 19 year old who's really really good. I, I think they're just – I don't know. I think if they can make it second in the group, um, I think that they'll, they'll, they'll fly under the radar. Yeah, That's I mean, just my not, thought. I, I don't want to say it's, it's unheard of to see a team like Roma really get better as the season goes on and make a run. Um, of course, last year they, they did set a pretty high bar for themselves. Mm-hmm. And Eusebio Di Francesco, of course, a, a wonderful manager for them. I think he's, he's doing mm-hmm. a lot of good things tactically. Um, Yep, and we'll see. We'll see what that the future holds for Roma. But uh, for now, a tough hole to dig out of, uh, at least after match yeah. day one in the Champions League. So uh, yep. excited for what the next round of matches brings us. Absolutely. But, uh, before we move on, I want to head back to baseball or to uh, the Premier League really quickly and just kind of give a, a little wrap up of last week's games. We didn't really get a chance to get into these all that much, but um, there were some pretty pretty big results on the weekend um of mm-hmm. course obviously the big one was liverpool tottenham at wembley liverpool barely uh, escaping with a 2-1 win after conceding a, a pretty poor goal to lamella it was well taken by lamella but yeah uh, a pretty poor goal to concede off a second ball off a corner yeah uh, spurs had a shot for a penalty at the end but i think given the balance of play and given the way the game went that's never going to be a penalty um yep. unless of course we have last year's referees in the game at anfield or last season's games of course that game in february of this year and uh, referees doing their their best to hand that one to Tottenham, uh, and they they almost did if if it wasn't for a <laughs> save from Carius on a Harry Kane penalty. Yeah, uh, Man City the game right after that uh, hand handily defeating Fulham. I don't think there's any shock there. City no. of course head and shoulders above a lot of teams in this league. Bournemouth taking care of Leicester City, two late goals from the Foxes, but a man sent off uh, and a 4-2 loss for the Foxes at Bournemouth, who look really solid so far in the year. I Mm -hmm. think they're playing some really good football, and especially given the way they started at the beginning of last season, it's good to see them playing this well to start this year, Uh, and I just hope they can keep it up because they're they're just a fun fun side to watch. Yeah, surprised the Premier League so far, no doubt. Yeah, Uh, Newcastle Arsenal, uh, Arsenal strong win. To concede it, but a strong win away from home at a tough place yep. to play. Two in a row, two wins in a row. When they what? Be... How many wins did they get away from home last year? One, zero. Uh, none in the cal- None this calendar year away from home. So uh, two wins back to back. That you know, it's saying some big things for Arsenal. I think the Emery uh, revolution, for lack of a better word, I think that was used in one of the highlights. Uh, is, and, is gaining some steam. And the Bumiang scored two goals in the Europa League today. Really good sign for this team. Yeah, definitely a. Uh, a, a lot of positivity for Arsenal at this point in the season after starting off, uh, you know, they had two tough games to start the year, but 
doing pretty well, all things considered, in that respect. Um, and, Field, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yep. Oh, no, I just want to say um, I think that uh, the biggest, I think most significant, was West Ham getting the win at Everton. Um, yeah. Looks, Yarmolenko looks really good. Uh, they finally got a little bit better defensively. That game was fun to watch. But they've got a killer run of fixtures coming up, so it was really important that they showed us something that game. Yeah, their first three points of the season come against Everton. Um, Everton kind of regressing to the mean, if you will, after their good start to the season. Um, you know, I, I don't think we thought Everton was going to ever win the league, nor were they ever going to challenge for top four, but certainly they were a team to watch, especially with the additions of Richarlison and Marco Silva, again, spending a lot of money in the win- in the transfer window, but uh, for- unfortunately uh, losing at home to a team that hadn't, hadn't even gathered a point this season. Definitely disappointing for the Toffees. Uh, Watford coming off four straight wins to start the year after the international break, unfortunately drops points at home, loses to Man United 2-1, even though Man United had a man sent off, I believe. Yep. It was uh, it was Rashford, right, who got sent off? Uh, no, that was uh, the previous game. No, that's right, that's right. Um, no, actually, I don't think they had a red card. No, it based, at least from what I see, they had a red card. Uh, we'll, nah. we'll figure that eventually. Um, oh, it was Matic. That's right. Oh, that's it was right. That's You're right. right. At the very end. At that, the very yeah, end. Yeah, that was that was stupid. I, I you know I, I remember watching the highlights and thinking, why is he getting sent off at this point of the game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, stupid play. It was Wolves, a really stupid challenge too. Wolves taking care of Burnley at home. Wolves obviously a very good side playing mm-hmm. some really good football. Um, Burnley really struggling. Burnley Jeez. struggling, but I think they'll get their feet under them eventually. Um, yeah. It's it's tough to see a team with Europa League football crash out of it and you know they're not used to the congestion and it affects their league season and it affects the confidence and just kind of spirals out of control but I think it'll be fine if this continues over the next month or so I think Sam Allardyce is going to get a, fo- a couple phone calls from the Burnley board and, and as much as they'd like to keep Sean Dyche I think they need a, a, a new set of ideas in there yep. and then finally the Monday game I forgot this one even happened uh, oh that was a good game I saw Southampton that against Brighton uh, two all yeah really Danny good Ings back in the score sheet for Southampton that's right that was actually a really good game. Hoiberg scored an incredible goal. Did yeah, and it's, it's, it's honestly, it's. I don't mean to neglect the game as a football fan, but just my focus all week was on work and, and obviously oh, the Liverpool sure. game on Tuesday. Uh, but good to see Danny Ings back on the score sheet for Southampton. You really, really poorly for Danny Ings as a Liverpool fan. Just the the mm-hmm. torrid time he went through when he was when he was with us or with Liverpool, I should say, was. Uh, yeah, it was tough to watch for him, but really good to see a really good Dude, player works hard. I just want to say one quick thing. You know, I mean, it, <laughs> well, first, it's going to be funny to watch Southampton play Liverpool, the team that took all their players. But, <laughs> um, you know, you watch Southampton, like, watching that game. It was just like there are times where you're reminded what the old Southampton is like, just beautiful soccer, playing it, playing on the ground, moving the ball, circulating, dominating the game. And then there are just times where they just – teams run over them defensively, and you're just like, man, that's the team that was in a relegation battle. So it's just kind of an odd mix with that team. Yeah, and it'll be one to watch for sure. But I think, um, you know, if Liverpool decide to rotate their squad, it, it won't be that significant. It I think should. Klopp knows how important every every match is in the Premier League. Um, so I don't think he's going to take get, you know, I don't think he's going to give any quarter in this game. I think it'll still be a strong lineup against Southampton. Although I, I do think uh, Salah will get a rest. He, he just looks out of sorts right now for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't really had a good game uh, really since the beginning of the season. Uh, so... Yeah. Definitely want to keep an eye on. Um, Absolutely. Just a couple other matches to flag for you this weekend, uh, if you are so inclined. Um, I think the Man United-Wolves game is going to be really solid as well. Um, yeah. Wolves, just one of those teams with the the 
for lack of a better word, the tenacity of wolves, if you will. They're they're hungry. Uh, they're really keen to show the rest of the league what they what they can do. Mm-hmm. They've already shown some of that so far. Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo is is just an outstanding manager. I think he's going to be the next one of the next mm-hmm. top managers in the world, not just in England. Um, so definitely want to keep an eye on it. Old Trafford, mm-hmm. uh, Arsenal against Everton. Uh, that's the Sunday late game uh, in. Last year, this mat the fixture at Goodison ended five two to Arsenal. So okay. yeah, <laughs> a lot of goals to be had in this one for sure. Um, I think Ray Charleston's back. It could be wrong. Yeah, I, I believe so. I think we'll see a lot of goals yeah. in this one. Um, and then just another one to keep an eye on. Uh, I, I'd say I'd say you'd have to be Brighton against Chel- against Tottenham at Brighton. Yeah, uh, Brighton's a, Brighton's game, a really tough side. The late game on on Saturday, I think it's going to be one to watch. Um, Absolutely, Brighton, one of those teams that they don't really. They kind of have this uh, split between playing the quote-unquote beautiful football, the passes on the ground, and the and the passing and the moving, uh, and then they they do have times where they kind of put four at the back and try to shut you down defensively and hit you on the counterattack. Oh, and I'm calling it right now. If Tottenham lose, they're in full-on crisis. Wow. Pochettino already um, was critical of the media, so he's just kind of getting angry. If they lose this game, there's going to be crisis at Tottenham. Just well, saying. I mean, Pochettino did encourage diving last year. He yeah. backtracked on it, but you know, mm-hmm. I think that kind of comment is a little bit too too much, even for him. Yeah, uh, uh, it's just we'll, we'll leave guy. that for another day. Mm-hmm. We'll leave that for another day. But a lot to look forward to. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we move on to uh, September baseball? Um, yeah, I think that um, we're going to learn a lot about Liverpool um, because Liverpool has a really intense run of fixtures coming up. They play Chelsea, they play Manchester City, they play three games in the Champions League. Um, I think that um, we're going to learn a lot about their title aspirations coming up. Yeah, definitely. And I think my one thing to keep an eye on is going to be Arsenal. Um, I think they, after the the tough start to the season they had, I think the Chelsea game was especially, you know, if I was an Arsenal fan watching that game, I'd be really hurt by that game just because they they had their chances to to not only beat Chelsea, but to, to really put the game away. Um, yeah, and they just weren't able to take them, and that's that's kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say that's what Aubameyang's good at, but that's kind of what he was at Dortmund. He scored so many cha- he scored so many goals. Uh, I think it was the 2015-16 season because he was put in so many good positions by his just raw pace and Thomas Tuchel's coaching. Uh, that you know, you get to see some of that. He gets he puts himself in, in so many good positions because of his pace. And Salah is kind of the same way, um, but his finishing sometimes is what goes missing. And yep. That'll be one to watch for sure. Um, Absolutely. So Absolutely. definitely some great games to keep an eye on again this week. And the Premier League never ceases to mm-hmm. never ceases to amaze us. Um, that's why we're fans. Mm-hmm. That's why we love doing what we do, talking about mm-hmm. the Premier League. And we also love talking about baseball. Will, yes. Today is September 20th, 2018. Mm-hmm. There are approximately 10 games left for every team in baseball. And I could not be more excited for the postseason. How are you feeling about everything baseball-related? I'm feeling... Um, incredibly excited for both the you know the end of september well just the the chase here and the end of october um but yeah i i i'm very excited oh and i, I just want to quickly say that i think that the i mean all of the, there's been a lot of division races have been crazy but i think that the national league west has been especially crazy because going into august the Arizona Diamondbacks were atop the league. Then Colorado took over, and all of a sudden Arizona like fell off the face of the planet in September. They've lost so many games. 
And then Colorado looks like they have it, and then now they've been struggling. The Dodgers swept them, and now the Dodgers have a two-and-a-half game lead, I think, but I don't trust them at all. So that's the – if there's anything that sticks out, I just have no idea what's going to happen in that division. Yeah, they don't call it the Wild Wild West for nothing. And keep in mind that this was supposed to be San Francisco's year. This is the year they traded for Andrew McCutcheon, who's now with the Yankees. That's right. And Evan Longoria. Yes. I mean, this was their all-in kind of year uh, to get back to the top and continue this kind of – or get back to you know, this even year magic that they had going on in the Bay Area that the Cubs thankfully mm-hmm. shut down very quickly. Um, yeah. Sorry, Giants fans. Um, but I, I don't know. It's going to be – it's going to go down to the last day, I think, in the West um, and – we're never in short supply of of great finishes for the Dodgers, um, especially just given the way they've they've sealed the division mm-hmm. the last few years. I remember a couple of years ago it was a Charlie Culberson walk off home run that yeah. in the title, um, and then a couple of years before that, just you know, really consistent play up and down the board for the mm-hmm. Dodgers. But this is a different year. You think of uh, the Colorado Rockies who are struggling right now. Part of it is Trevor Story's injury. Don't know, hundred percent. Yeah, word really, is unfortunate, really unfortunate. Really uh, mm-hmm. unfortunate. And. You hate to see that being the one thing that derails a team, right? Absolutely. Um, but even if they were to make the playoffs, I think that they're they're in a pretty good position. I mean, I think the back end of their bullpen with Wade Davis and Brian Shaw, uh, yeah. You think of guys in their lineup like Ian Desmond, and of course Nolan, Nolan Arenado, uh, Para, Charlie Blackman. Uh, yep. Just up and down. This this team is built for success, not just Dimitri, you know, um, DJ Lemayhu yeah. as well. It's Le just Mayhew, a lot. Yep. Of, a lot of really solid players on, on the Colorado Rockies. But you know, but, day, the, but Arenado really struggled in that Dodger series. Really, really bad. And, and, you know, maybe it's he doesn't like hitting a Dodger stadium because it, it, it hasn't really seemed like he's he's owned that place in his career. I mean, I'm sure someone could prove me wrong with the numbers, but uh, when I saw him at the World Baseball Classic, I think he went a combined 0 for 9 in the two games. Uh, yeah. Never really – well, actually, no. I think his, his one big hit was towards the end of the championship game against Puerto Rico. Um and obviously that's a that's a weird one it's a kind of a one-off because it's it's the world baseball classic it's only once every few years um but i digress you know i think either way colorado if they make it they're in good shape um mm-hmm. and even if they don't they're in in shape to to kind of add a couple pieces in the offseason and hit, get back at it next year because you know the longer the dodgers go without winning a world series the bigger the target's going to be on their back and as many world mm-hmm. as many division titles as they win i think it's you know it's it's oh. kind of got to the chance where they have to deliver also, Owen, did you see the other day? I can't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, but did you see Arenado's error? Yeah, I think it that was, was a uh, really was Wednesday night. Uh, it was Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah, it was Tuesday night. Um, it, it's that just was, it they was fell very apart. Un, un Arenado like play to make. And, um, and Owen, I just got to be honest. I, I was I've never known what to think when Lim, um, Lemayhu hit that. I forgot it was against that walk off home run. Uh, a week or two ago, I I turned off TV and I was like, the Rockies are winning that division, and I now I just think the Dodgers, and Owen, you you said it the best, how they're throwing the kitchen sink at it. Like, obviously the one thing you got to question is their bullpen. Uh, maybe Kintamaida is going to help them there, but if they get in the playoffs, Owen, I, I kind of like them to win the National League. I got to be honest, they're playing well. They have all the pieces. Maybe they're just going to come together, and this is their time. I, I, if they I mean, get in the playoffs, I'm picking the Dodgers to win the NL. The, the beauty about baseball is that the season is so long that you could have so many different storylines. I mean, you think of teams like the Boston Red Sox, who who clinched the division today uh, over the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. And you think of teams like the Cleveland Indians, teams that have been really, really good all year, maybe not dominant like the like the Red Sox have, the Indians, but they wrapped up the division last weekend. Uh, and then you think of the Red Sox, who have won 104 games now, 
and and look like mm-hmm. they're going to steamroll everybody, but they could still slip up. And then you have teams that look like they just kind of, you know, excuse me, their way into the playoffs and then end up winning the whole damn thing. So you, you really never know what to expect in baseball, and that's what's so great about it is because you could have a winner come from anywhere and they could get hot at any time or they could just be really dominant throughout the entire season. And, and that's one of the things that I personally love about it is that we're in for so many of those storylines this year because for all we know, it could be the Arizona Diamondbacks winning out at this from this point on they can right. win out and win the division you really just don't know with the west and that's what makes it so great what did you think of the the strategy to sit some of their best players and with, rotate their team with the yesterday yeah did you see that that was a little bizarre i mean i know they were down what? pretty significantly but maybe, maybe it's game. just something you need the 162 game grind you just need to be fresh yeah, but it, I mean, maybe it was a wake-up call that's to their something big player. you do in may or june maybe july but that's not something you do in september usually and i know they have the big enough roster for it with the 40-man rosters and the call-ups but that just seemed a little weird to me um it, it's it's not usually something that you would see this time of year but you know different 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 circumstances call for different uh drastic circumstances at all drastic what is it Drastic times call for drastic measures. I don't even know what my. But saying oh, is. I, th- I think I could be wrong. I think they were four and fourteen before that. Yeah, they were struggling. So they were I think really. The last statistic I saw, they were three and eleven this month. Going off. So. Um, another thing I want to bring up in in National League, um, I kind of am you know excited to see them. You know, I, I think that the Milwaukee Brewers are going to make the playoffs in some capacity. Um, and I, I just want to mention the brilliance of Christian Yelich, how good he is. Um, Aguilar had a good game the other day, but this team can really hit. And I, they're another team that I'm, I'm keeping my eye on here as we go down the stretch. Yeah, no, definitely. And it, it, it's, it's something to, it's something to really be said for what they did in the off season, how it's all paying off now. Um, Aguilar hasn't had a great second half, but he's had, uh, mm-hmm. a, you know, he's playing well as of late. Or yep, had a big game the other day. Exactly. Uh, Milwaukee, of course, currently three games up uh, for the top spot in the wild card. So I think they will make the playoff. Uh, they'll make the playoffs in some capacity, whether that's the division or the wild card. I don't think uh, it really matters to them at this point as long as they're in. Um, because right now, if the season were to end today, it'd be Milwaukee hosting St. Louis, and the NL Central would have three wild, three playoff teams for yep uh, for the first time in a few years. I think I don't think that last that's happened in a while. Uh, of course, last year, three teams from the NL West: Dodgers, A's, and Colorado, all in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of nice to see. Uh, sorry for the background noise. It's kind of no, it's- nice to see <laughs> what happens. Um, with each division because you kind of get to say okay this one's the strong one because there's three playoff teams here or this Mm -hmm. one's a strong one for me this year it's it's more a case that the al is just very top top heavy and the nl is more wide open which doesn't necessarily mean it's the best division i mean you look at the red sox and the yankees who play in the al east those Mm -hmm. teams are going to combine for almost 200 wins i mean right now they're at 197 wins combined which is absolutely absurd tampa bay has won 85 games this year (laughs) the atlanta braves it's they're crazy. In third it's incredible. By, they're in third by 18 and a half games. Jeez. Imagine winning a division with a record that is third somewhere else. I mean, that's, that's just how good the AL is this year. And, you know, whoever, geez, I mean, whoever misses the playoffs between Oakland and the Yankees is going to have like 96 wins. Okay, so sorry for the little technical difficulties there. We lost Willie for a second, but we got him back. Um, we were just talking about how good. Uh, the AL is kind of being top-heavy. You were mentioning the Yankees mm-hmm. as winning something like 97 games and being yeah. second by that much. Um, yeah. That's got to be a blow to the gut, but at the same time, 
you still have to be feeling good about the rest of your chances against or your chances against the rest of the of the of the American League. Yeah. Um, uh, but the yeah. one thing, the one thing to note though, is, uh, Oakland put up a twenty-one spot today against uh, Anaheim. That they did. That leaves them one and a half games out of first place in the wild card, which means the difference between hosting a wild card game and going to Yankee Stadium for the wild card game. Uh, I want to echo what Dallas Braden said on starting nine. I think it was last week. Uh, I think if you're the Yankees, you don't want you don't want to host the Oakland A's. You want to because. As much as it is a home field advantage to be in front of your own fans and to have, you know, the comfort of sleeping at home and, and all the kind of normal routines of a home game, that Oakland A's team is tearing the cover off the baseball right now. Yes, and absolutely. I think with a small ballpark like New York, you don't want to play that team. Up and down mm. the lineup, there is there is power. There is speed, there is average, and there is pitching to go along with it. Uh, if in a one in a one game playoff, but if this do you really series. For, for a group that you know hasn't been for a group of players that is new to this, would you trust them in a one game playoff? Absolutely, absolutely, because I really? think part of it is this kind of ignorance is bliss mentality of younger players where you don't know to be nervous. It's kind of like talking about in golf. You know, you know, of course, big golf fans. The predominant theory used to be. You know, you you spend your time learning how to win on tour, and then you finally break through in your 30s. That's not the case anymore. Guys are coming out and winning at 20, 21, 22 years old. It's they, mm. they don't know better uh, than to be fearless. They they go out there not knowing what nerves are and 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 having this kind of mentality that you know, wow. fine, let's go at it. So I think that that is kind of the case with the Oakland A's right now, and, and I think they have enough veterans yeah. as well on that team to to be able to know how to do. It. I mean, Jed Lowry's been on really good teams in his career. Yep. Uh, and just up and down the team, there's quality, but there's also a little bit of experience as well, and that's kind of how how Billy Bean put this team together. Uh, yeah. And I think it, it'll serve them well if they have to go on the road to Yankee Stadium or if they get to host a wildcard game at home. But and kind of like you said, I mean, you're saying it's last show. I mean, it's a different. It can be a different guy, you know, whether it's Chapman or Pichotti or Lowry, Chris Davis, um, Olson. There's all you know a lot of guys on that team, you know, and the the beauty is that balance. I got a hot take for you about the A's. Matt okay. Chapman might just be the best defensive third baseman in the American League. Yeah, I was reading the article. I would, I would about say that, actually, I would say yeah. all of baseball, if not for Nolan Arenado. Yeah, but he Matt Chapman is up there. I mean, it, it's almost like every time you open up Bleacher Report or House of Highlights or any other highlight centric app you use or or get push notifications from from Major League Baseball's at bat app, it, it's it's crazy because well, it seems like every other A's highlight right. is Matt Chapman. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting um, that you mentioned that. He's definitely one of the best. And in fact, Don, you know, well, this is really interesting because, you know, I love stats. Do you know who's, you know, can you name the top five players in defensive war this season? No surprise. Uh, Arenado, Chapman, Simmons, uh, Lindor, uh, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., well, you're actually surprised. I mean, um, Lindor um, and Simmons are no question. Actually, Matt Chapman's number one in defensive really? war this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Lorenzo Cain and Nick Ahmed are there. Ah, right. But Lo- um, can't, can't discount Locan who learned to play the who learned to play ball in high school. Most and, guys have been playing uh, since the age of two. He started in high school, and now he's you know he's Lorenzo yeah. Cain. So <laughs> yeah. crazy athletic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, he's uh, and then. Yeah, I mean, yes, he's an incredible defensive player, and he can hit too. Yeah. So you know, I I, I want to give you a little bit of a 
of a hot take going. I, I want to tell you, do you know who I think could be the most important player? This sounds crazy, but Gio Gonzalez. Oh, and he, he has a, a, a sub-2 ERA in the month of September in three starts, and the Milwaukee Brewers need like starting pitching. He could be the guy, Owen, if he can re- rediscover his form, just like Luis Severino, who's been terrible in the second, you know, um, we're talking about, we were just talking about the wild card game. You know, Severino pitched well against the Red Sox the other day. Maybe that was the start that just kind of gets him back in the groove, you know? Yeah, it was kind of the Severino of, of the first half of the season, really powering, commanding his fastball and, and being able to, to, to command his secondary pitches as well. And it was, it, it stifled the best offense in baseball right now or the best team in baseball right now. So somebody said for sure about, you know, what one game could do for you. But at the end of the day, I think you're, you're right. Gio Gonzalez is going to be really, really big player for the Brewers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think arguably bigger though for the Brewers on, on the other side of the ball is going to be Christian Yelich, both oh, at the yeah. plate and with his defense. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he was so highly rated by the Marlins that they they had mm-hmm. to demand a King's ransom for him, but that's what the Brewers gave, and that's what they're getting in return as a player who's going to be a perennial All Star, hit for the second cycle this year, first player to do that in a while, um, third player yep. in baseball history to do that, uh, along with a guy named Aaron Hill with the best last name ever. Um, no bias there, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Christian Yelich is going to be incredibly important for this team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talk about pitching being important in October. Um, but I think equally as important is is the defense, and you know the pitching mm-hmm. can be as good. But if you have guys like Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich in the outfield, then yep. then I think you're in a pretty good spot. That said, they do need, you do need to have good pitching in October, and I think in the bullpen they've got a lot of good pieces. Uh, Josh Hader is the is the kind yep. of one that comes to mind for yes, the Brewers. But you know I think they're they're positioned well. However, however, there is a team that <laughs> plays in St. Louis, and I know a couple of my friends who are big Cubs fans are going to hate me saying this. But I think the Cardinals have the sleep, the scariest chance of any National League team to win the pennant. Really, the Cardinals State of your all teams State because they they've gotten hot when it matters, and what it matters is right now. They are incredibly hot, and they have been for quite some time. Uh, Matt Carpenter, it looks like, is hitting a home run like every other day. It's not not as bad as it was about a month ago mm. when he was basically homering every other at bat. Uh, Carlos Martinez. Obviously, we're talking about a player with A stuff, but sometimes C command. Mm. Um, but the team has a lot of pieces, and and the pieces are, are starting to get some momentum. And I wouldn't be surprised if they made a run to the NLCS in in October. I I don't think they're going to win it by any means. I don't think they're going to win the World Series, but I would not be surprised to see them there. And Interesting. One of those things right now, they have a, a seventy-seven run differential. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is high. Scored this season, which for a that team that was struggling as much as they were early on in the season, yeah, that's that's good to see from just a neutral baseball perspective. So, I mean, who are you picking to win the NL Wild Card? You ask me right now. Hmm. I'd probably say the Cardinals. I'd so the Cardinals, the Cardinals. Beat the Brewers. I'd, I'd yeah. probably say yeah. the Cardinals over the Brewers. Okay. 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 And it's it's not backed by any you know quote unquote science or reason, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But I, I just feel like it's okay. It's it's always teams that that get hot at the right times. Who have I mean they're five hundred in their last five in their last ten games. So you know this current stretch isn't anything good. But I think from where they were earlier in the season, um, 
the playoffs was never really in the conversation. And now for it to be a, a distinct possibility, uh, not just a possibility, mm-hmm. I mean, they're in the driver's seat right now for the second wild card. I mean, That's I right. think they have to fend off, I think, the Phillies at this point in yeah. time. But the Phillies are even so quite a few games back. Uh, seven games to be precise, or sorry, five and a half games back right now with uh, just over, what is it, nine or ten left in the season? Yep, that's right. I don't know. I feel like it's it's almost set at this point. It's between them and Colorado for that second spot or whoever ends up not winning the, the NL West. So a lot of yeah. really interesting storylines as we get to the end of the season. Uh, yeah. And I, I am beyond excited. I was fighting off a cold last week when we were doing our show, and usually when I get – uh, a cold kind of this time of year, it means one thing and one thing only. It means fall is here, which means playoff baseball is here. That's right. Which is no, music can't to my ears. And I would know, I, mean, I listen to music way too much. <laughs> oh, that's not, that's a good thing. <laughs> so kind of segueing in from baseball to our hot takes segment, um, mm-hmm. unless you have any, you know, anything huge. Well, to, my uh, last thoughts and we'll, we'll, we'll just, this keep us very brief, you know, same old thing, but, um, the the Red Sox, same old, you know, 104 wins now and same um, concerns. You know, I didn't watch the game today, but uh, I saw Eduardo Rodriguez gave up some runs. Yesterday it was hot David Price struggling, and then the game before that, Evaldi had a good game. Um, but you just don't know what you're going to get, and it's just fascinating because we're going to see a Red Sox-Yankees maybe – Another series with them and another playoff series. So who knows with the Red Sox? Who knows? Yeah, and, and we're going to get into – that's actually my hot take. You and I have been texting about this pretty much all week, but it's time to <laughs> let this take hit the air. Uh, I think I've, I've talked about this enough offline mm-hmm. that it's time to bring it on to the podcast. Um, okay. I think I might have mentioned it last week. Two weeks ago, I think. Maybe two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But the Boston Red Sox have won 104 games. We'll call this the official start to our hot take segment. The Boston Red Sox right now <laughs> – on September 20th, 2018, clinched the division in New York against the Yankees. So 7-3 mm-hmm. and three in the last 10 games. They're mm-hmm. playing good baseball. They are the worst 104-win team maybe <laughs> in the history of Major League Baseball. <laughs> and here is why. When you spend $224 million a year on your team, you expect your team to be good. You expect your team to contend for the World Series. Teams that contend for the World Series have three things in common. Good pitching, good defense, and timely hitting. The Red Sox have one of those things. And not even 100% of the time do they have that thing. And that thing, no, it is not pitching. No, it is not defense. It is hitting. Yes, they have a gold glove right fielder and a gold glove center fielder. But around the diamond, on the infield especially, there are some question marks. Xander Bogarts is sometimes a liability with the glove. We don't know what's going on at third base. Edward, uh, excuse me, uh, Rafael Devers is uh, more likely to spike one in the dirt from third base than he is to actually hit the target. Mitch Moreland is a gold glove first baseman, but he can only dig out so many throws from third and short that are bad. Uh, second base is a revolving door. Eduardo Nunez is going to take a few days off because of a sore knee that he aggravated yesterday. Ian Kinsler is on the kind of down slope, down slope of his career, if you will. Uh, and it does not look great defensively. Outfield, Red Sox, they know exactly what they're doing. Pat Attendee's a solid outfielder. Jackie Bradley Jr. should win a gold glove this year. If he doesn't, it'll be a mm-hmm. robbery. Mookie Betts, should have <laughs> Mookie Betts should have won. Or, sorry, he should have won last year, but he didn't. Mookie Betts did win mm-hmm. last year. Uh, he's always a deserving gold glover. He's a great player. 
all around. I think he might win MVP this year. Thankfully, um, this might be his time. They should have a, a separate award sidebar. They should have a separate award for Mike Trout. This is the the, yeah. <laughs> the best player in baseball not named Mike Trout award. Yeah. But I digress. So the Red Sox have good players defensively, but still some question marks there. Sure. The hitting. Let's get to the hitting. They have two of the best hitters in baseball right now, Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez, and both of them are having MVP seasons. Can I just mention that next year it's going to be an issue? Because I don't think Martinez can have two seasons or like the one time. No, he could, but I I think it's more unlikely than not, and especially this is kind of one of those weird years that you kind of see, you know, the the splits Mm -hmm. from him, I think, in late July, uh, Mm -hmm. that 162-game stretch when he was with Arizona, Mm -hmm. and then... This part of the season with Boston, he was hitting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was something on pace for like 50 home runs, 150 RBIs. Mm-hmm. It was something ridiculous like that we haven't seen since Ryan Howard and David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez were all in the peak of their careers. Um, but back to back to the Red Sox, the mm-hmm. lineup. Um, you think of players that are very solid in the lineup. Mm-hmm. You think of superstars like Betts and Martinez, mm-hmm. and budding superstars like Benintendi, maybe Bogarts mm-hmm. as well. But outside of that. You look at the players like Christian Vasquez and Sandy mm-hmm. Leon and Jackie Bradley Jr., who admittedly is playing his mm-hmm. hitting better as of late, but not still all that great. Mm-hmm. This year, I think he's upped his average to around 215, maybe 220 on the year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hit, he's hitting the ball better as of late, which is credit to him for sticking with it and, and the team for staying with him and not giving up on him. Um, Rafael Davis has come back from the from the disabled list, but we know how, what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's just this this sinking feeling in me, and this is as a Red Sox fan and as a bit of a pessimistic fan at times, that that just might not be enough in October to cover up for what is a disastrous pitching staff. I mean, disastrous with a all caps <laughs> and the bullpen. A and hundred exclamation this bullpen. The pitching bullpen. staff is disastrous right now. <laughs> The Red Sox know what they can get from one of their starters right now because David Price can't pitch at Yankee Stadium. You could you could <laughs> give him the stuff of a, I don't know, you could give him Chris Sale stuff, and he's still not going to get out of five innings without giving up at least four runs at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, that's true. Chris Sale is the only sure, sure bet in the Red Sox rotation and in the pitching staff as well. Hey, I saw that uh, Workman gave up two runs in a third of an inning today. Yeah, Brandon Workman was not good today. Or that might have been yesterday, I think. I don't think he pitched. Was that yesterday? I think it was, it was oh. yesterday. He didn't pitch today. I was thinking, wait, that was, uh, that was yesterday. He gave, up a hit, he gave up a big hit yesterday. It, I believe it was one of Luke Voigt's home runs um, that oh, Price okay. was responsible for. Um, anyways, back to the pitching staff, which is an abomination right now for a 104-win team. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go Let's go to the bullpen, shall we? Or Actually, no, I'm not finished roasting our rotation. Uh, Rick Porcello, garbage. Mm-hmm. Eduardo Rodriguez can't command anything in his arsenal right now. Mm-hmm. David Price. Well, I've already talked about David Price. Uh, and now let's get to the bullpen. Drew Pomeranz was supposed to be in the rotation, but he can't throw strikes, and the fastest he can hit his fastball is 90 miles an hour, which mm-hmm. is nothing close to what he had last season. I don't know what kind of injury problems he's got going on, but not good enough. Uh, Heath Hembry gave up a grand, a go-ahead grand slam to Giancarlo Stanton today. That'd be an out at any other ballpark, but he forgot he's pitching at Yankee Stadium, so you can't afford to hang sliders over the plate to Giancarlo Stanton. Trash. Ryan Brazier yeah. had a home run yesterday. Garbage. Stephen Wright, who I don't even know what to expect out of Stephen Wright, who's who's more likely to spike one in the dirt and make Vasquez or Stanley Leon go and get it from the backstop. Uh, not good enough. 
Joe Kelly, <sighs> disaster, which leaves you with Ke- Craig Kimbrell. You know what you're going to get from Kimbrell. <laughs> but even so this season, he hasn't been unhittable. He hasn't been the top closer in baseball or the top five closer in baseball that you expect. He's been a good closer, yes. He's he's dealt with the lead when it's given to him. But in non-safe situations and situations that he's been inserted in the game to kind of be a stopper, he hasn't mm-hmm. done that. And yeah. it, is, it is ridiculous to see a team like the Boston Red Sox win 104 games, waltz their way to the division title with 10 games, nine games left in the season. And for <laughs> yeah. this to happen, it is it is actually embarrassing as a Red Sox fan because this has first round sweep to the A's or the Yankees or the Astros or anyone else written all over it. And I guarantee you, guarantee you, if they don't get swept in the first round, they will not get out of the first round. It will be a loss mm-hmm. in the first round either way. And the Red Sox will go back to the drawing board and Dave Dombrowski will finally maybe have to learn how to put together a bullpen because that is never something he's been able to do in his entire career as a front well, office exec. Well, how about that? <sighs> that said, go Sox. We'll I hope they win the World Series. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It'll be it'll be very interesting. No, there's there's... On the real, there's been a lot of frustration this year with the Red Sox just because of, of the potential there's that, that's there. And, and obviously the optimist in me wants to see them go to the World Series. But mm-hmm. right now it's it's kind of tough when they just can't hold a lead at all at any point in the game. And it's not the starting rotate. If it's not the rotation, it's the bullpen. If it's not the bullpen, it's the rotation. And if it's not one of them, it's the hitting can't show up or the defense makes a stupid mistake. And it, it, there's just all kinds of, of problems waiting to happen with this team that I'd be surprised if they made it all the way to the World Series and remained a team that actually struck fear into their opponents' hearts because right now it, it's just it doesn't feel like that at all. I'm not feeling great about the Red Sox this year. I'm really not, and that's really – I mean, I know if you're probably listening to this and you're thinking, why are you whining about a team that just won 104 games? Because I've seen this before. The last two seasons, the Red Sox have been one of the best teams in baseball. They've played really, really well all season. And to see them get swept in the first round or almost swept in the mm-hmm. first round, albeit by the Astros, a team that went to win the World Series, and the Indians who went to the to the World Series the year before that, um, it's still just disappointing to see from a team that spends so much money uh, on, on their players and really invests heavily in the squad. Um, mm-hmm. Something I wish Liverpool would start doing would have started doing earlier, not just this season, but you know, such as life. But um, yeah, um, oh, so I'll yeah. start. I'll start. Sorry, I'll start. I will. Excuse me. I will stop yapping about the Red Sox. Well, and but, I will let you get to your hot takes. And you know what? Just just the last thing. When they won the World Series, their pitching has been much better, and you know the Red Sox did get swept by the Indians when the pitching was vulnerable. So that's just a thought. Yeah, that was the the pre Chris Sale. Uh, yep. The pre Chris Sale Red Sox. Mm-hmm. So the pitching staff only got marginally better. Yep. So instead of a losing in four get losing in sorry losing in three games, they're going to lose in four games. And maybe instead of losing in four games last year, they're going to lose in five games this year. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. All right, I got three hot takes. Bring your takes, Will. All right, number one. Um, so last year, I'm just I'm not talk I'm not going to talk about the Champions League, but the the domestic league. Okay. Okay. Mo Salah scored 32 goals in 34 appearances. So that was 0.94 goals per game. I'm going to say that Gareth Bale scores a goal a game in La Liga. In part because of, you know, La Liga, the defense can be optional. But he looks... (laughs) looks, Got that right. But he looks incredible, Owen. Uh, The way he interacts with Benzema is great. He's a scoring machine, and he can have big days where he scores hat tricks. 
So I think that this year is going to be a really big year for him. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that at all. I think Bale without Ronaldo has finally come into his own, um, and it's it's taken him a while to get there. But now that he's kind of gotten the chance to be his own man, he's never you know one of Ronaldo's understudies. I think that's going to serve him well, and I think it's going to help him score a lot of goals this year. And Real Madrid are still going to be a tough team to play in the Champions League. Simple as that. Yep. Really crazy. Okay, number two. Not only is Tiger Woods going to win this weekend the Tour Championship, he's going to eclipse the all-time wins record of Sam Snead. He just needs three more in two years. So by not the end of next year, but the year after, he'll he'll get at least four wins. I'm going to turn that take on you really briefly. Does he win 19 major championships? No. He wins one more. Yeah, but he's going to win a few tournaments. I believe if he wins one more major championship, he calls it a career right then and says, yes, I can do it. I can come back from multiple back surgeries. I can do it. I'm going to go spend time with my kids now. See you guys later. Yep. That's what I think. Um, three. Okay, two, two more. Two more quick ones. Okay, number one. I was reading an article on ESPN, and I don't know if you saw this, but it was talking about kind of – because everybody's been talking about how Neymar was really disappointing in that game, which I agree he was. I, and I, I agree with what this article was saying, which I think he needs to leave PSG. I just don't – I think this is really bad for his career – and he needs to be at a top-level club because that team, he can't, he's not good enough to lift that team. That team, frankly, isn't good enough for anyone to lift to European glory. Wow. So you think, you think eventually it's going to be time I for think Mbappe that, to leave as well? I think that – I'm not sure what their contract situations are, but I think that they will in the next – whenever their contracts are up, I think both of them will be gone. Yeah, no, um, I, I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. I think for to achieve better things, I think Mbappe and Neymar will both have to leave. I don't know how soon that'll be. I think Neymar will definitely go first because he's a little older. Um, but I, you're right. I think Mbappe and Neymar both need to leave if they're going to achieve what they really want to achieve in this. Uh, yep. In, in their careers, because they're they're not long, and especially Mbappe's is built on him being as fast as he is and as quick mm-hmm. as he is. And I think when when you start to lose a step, that's when your game starts to go downhill a little bit. And unless he can reinvent himself at the age of uh, probably 28, 29 or so, then it's gonna yeah. be, it'll be rough for him. But Neymar, t- Neymar I think, will we'll go first, definitely. Yeah, I, I'd say so. All right, last one. And I just think this is a cool um, tease because – oh, and I want to highlight September 29th because in the world of sports – I just looked at the games that day, and I don't know if I've seen a day. Tell me a day, Owen, where you can remember more great sporting events all happening in the same day, okay? I'm just going to go by sports here, okay? So in let's start in soccer. So on, on September 29th, which is in nine days, you have a bunch of derbies. So you have Chelsea-Liverpool, Juventus-Napoli, Real Madrid-Atletico Madrid, and then two other solid games – Leverkusen and Dortmund and PSG and Nice. So five solid soccer games. Okay. You have, of course, you have baseball, which will be the second last day, not only with the wild card races, but highlighted in the three biggest rivalries, Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals, Dodgers, Giants. You've got two college football games where between top 10 teams, Ohio State, Penn State, Stanford, Notre Dame, how many of those could make the college football playoffs? I'm not sure, but they are all undefeated at the point. And None. Ohio State, I think, will be. I think Ohio State's going to be in there. Um, well, I mean, really you, you would say Ohio State. Yeah. I got to be <laughs> honest with you, dude. Well, we'll see, man. It's going to come. 
I no, think I'm it'll just definitely... you. I think they're, they're a pretty good team. I think they're in a good spot as well to, to yeah. make some noise in the playoff. We'll see. And then also SU Clemson, which will be good. But yeah. finally, and also you can't forget about the Ryder Cup. So think um, about no, all the... No, I, I can forget about the well, Ryder I Cup. Well, I love it. I love it. I, I know I you're big it. on the Ryder Cup, but I will be sleeping when the Ryder Cup is going on. I might you... tune in every now and again just to see. You know, I, I do like to see golf played over on that side of the pond, but I think, you know, I, on the whole, it's... The Ryder Cup and the President's Cup just don't do it for me like they used to. Huh. Um, okay. They used to, though. Oh. Because, because I used to look at it a little differently. Um, now it, it's a case of... of the players that represent the United States do so in a way that reinforces the negative stereotypes about Americans. Uh, I'm looking at Justin Thomas and Patrick Reed specifically. Um, these are two guys who I think are a little too arrogant for their shoes. Um, they're both major championship winners, yeah. which credit to them. They that's, you know, that's something yeah. no one can ever take away from you. But I just think that it, it, it they get a little too big for their britches. Um, and they represent all the things that people hate about Americans. And that's, disappointing mm. to say the least yeah you know it's funny man i mean you know a lot about this but i just don't get the same vibe about justin thomas like he, he he's he can be arrogant definitely but he doesn't seem like a patrick reed, i don't know patrick reed just kind of seems a little bit overboard thomas just maybe because he's quieter but i, I don't know he, to, to I, me, I can see it though. It's just to me, Justin Thomas, you know, I, I know this is kind of unfortunate to say on air, but he, he reminds me of some kids who I grew up with who I wasn't mm-hmm. that, you know, who didn't exactly, who weren't exactly friendly towards me. I don't know if it's an Asian mm-hmm. thing or a quiet thing or whatever it was, but it, or just something yeah. unique to those people. But he just reminds me of a lot of those kids. Um, and a lot of this, the ways he goes about his business on the course reminds me of that, and it, it's just not something I want to associate well, positively with or remember positively. So that's well, that's just something personal. Um, I it, understand, it's, and it's not Tom, meant to be like overly Thomas, personal, but it's it's just an anecdote from from yeah. my experience. And, and Thomas Peters criticized the American fans for at the last Ryder Cup for being overly drinking. Well, also, at- American fans are stupid at golf events because they don't they don't know that. It, like it, it's there's there's a border between being respectful and being uh and indulging yeah. in in the local brews yeah but I, I just don't think that that line is followed very closely by a lot of american golf fans and i don't want to generalize and say all american golf fans are like this because you know that's definitely not true but it's just there's, there's a vast majority especially a lot of events and the Ryder cup is no exception yeah um, where it just gets like that um, and my other big beef with the Ryder cup is honestly a lot of the best players in the world um and at least my favorite players growing up tiger woods namely uh have terrible records in the Ryder cup and they I do wanted, they, they, but tiger you know, woods phil mickelson and jim Furyk, those three combined are kind of three of the three of the kind of big names i, I watched growing up uh with, with the Ryder cup and and just around the pga well, tour jim Furyk has one of the worst Ryder cup records i've ever seen in my life it is horrendous yeah but i would also counter and say you know, obviously it's subjective, but I mean that's kind of what makes the Ryder Cup is so great. You know, it's kind of like its own. Obviously, it is just golf, and anybody can play well that week. But it's you know some, uh, you know, it's just it's just a some players for whatever reason play well in it, and some don't. And the kind of the unpredictability, you know, makes it very exciting to me. Somebody like Ian Poulter has the best singles record of all time when he's a very mediocre player. You know. I wouldn't say he's a very mediocre player. He's a PGA Tour winner, which is more than a lot of people well, could say. Yeah, no. Okay, fair. Fair enough. But, yeah, you know, I, the, point, and, and, the point is the unpredictability makes right, it No, great. I get you. And 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 I, I will, 
you know, get at myself for saying this. Um, I used to dislike Ian Poulter because he reminded me a lot of a player who could walk, he could talk the talk, but not walk the walk for lack of a, for, you know, as the saying goes, um, he showed he can do it in stroke play this year. He won the shell Houston right before Augusta he did. his way into Augusta. He showed he can do it. So, uh, mm-hmm. I have to eat my words a little bit on that one. I, I used to call him out a lot, uh, maybe not on the, on the show explicitly, but if you knew me and you knew me talking about golf, I would go at Ian Poulter a lot, but, uh, he's he's definitely gained a lot of my respect uh, nowadays, and um, fair play to him for for getting it done this year. So he's he's a PGA Tour winner. No one can take that away from him. And um, I'm I'm just an idiot. That's all there is to it. <laughs> no, just don't tweet at him. Then you're good. No, I yeah, I tweet at a lot of people um, sometimes for no apparent reason. But you know that's but neither just, here no, nor you there. know, I mean, he's won. 12 of his 18 total matches, and he's undefeated in singles. So yeah. it's incredible. Ian Poulter and, gets it done yeah. in the Ryder Cup. Simple as but that. Point is, I mean, in terms of the, there's great soccer games, great baseball games, good football games, and the Ryder Cup. So that's a pretty stacked sports Saturday yeah. <laughs> next week. I, I do want to highlight a couple a couple uh, matches for, for those of you who might be inclined to watch college football. Maybe you never watched college football in your life, and you want to say, hey, maybe I should get into college football. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, maybe there's a lot of promise here. Um, Unfortunately, there is mm-hmm. this team named uh, the University of Alabama who seems to mm-hmm. always win, and they are the most annoying team to see win because it, it just they just it's, it, they're there all the time. I want to highlight this one team for you, um, the University of Georgia. However, mm. the team they beat in the national championship game last year. We don't talk about the circumstances of that game or how the game ended, uh, but I want to talk to you about uh, this uh, this little this little thing they've got going on in Athens, Georgia. Mm. We call it a typical hard, hard-nosed hard SEC football team. You got a team with a, a fast, ferocious defense, a run game that'll punch you in the mouth, and receivers that have speed to burn. This University of Georgia plays Missouri, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt in the next three weeks. Okay, nothing huge with that, but I want to highlight something for you in particular. Number two, Georgia, at number six, LSU, October 13th, 2018. Mm. Mark your calendars, folks, because that is going to be the game of the year. The second game of the year, however, will be on November 10th, 2018. The University of Georgia will play host to the Auburn University Tigers. Uh, War Eagle, more like Go Docs. Second game of the year, that game. (laughs) So keep an eye on those two games if you've never watched college football in your life and you want two games to watch. October 13th, Georgia LSU. October, or sorry, November 10th, Georgia Auburn. Uh, oh, and by the way, Georgia plays Florida on October 27th. Uh, go Dogs. Oh, and I, I got to be honest with you, man. I don't think Georgia's going to make the playoff this year. Let me okay. tell you why. So, Let me so tell you why. Who's going to be in their way? Because one of the Big Ten teams, Ohio State or Penn State, I think is going to go undefeated. And Oklahoma, I'm not sure if they're going to lose either. And if you have Alabama, well, assuming – Alabama well, they have easy wins. conferences and don't play anybody. Yeah, the SEC is the best conference. Georgia is the best team yeah. in that conference. At least well, would you take if L if all right if Alabama wins the SEC and the championship game, and then you have Ohio State say is undefeated and Oklahoma is undefeated. I mean, it's hard to take. It's hard to leave off an undefeated team from a major conference for a one-loss team, no matter how good the SEC is and how good Georgia is. They seem to be definitely one of the best four teams. I would say they're better than Oklahoma, but I'm just saying that seems, you know, they have a tough schedule. Like you said, Auburn, LSU, and Alabama is tough. 
you got to figure that they're going to lose one of those three games. Well, we'll put it this way. It's it's not by no means a foregone conclusion that they're going to run the table in the SEC, uh, particularly with no. their schedule. Um, of course, two years ago, this is a team that lost at home to uh, Vanderbilt, a team that I believe won four games that year. Uh, yeah. And then at Tennessee on a Hail Mary, completely fluke play. It's been two years since then, and the game has changed. The, the team has changed tremendously. Jake Fromm has shown to be a top quarterback, uh, and the run game has been absolutely phenomenal for the dogs. Um, but I, I believe in this team, and I don't think that Alabama is going to cause as many problems as they mm. did in the national championship game, especially with a secondary this year that has been playing phenomenally well. Uh, DeAndre Baker, uh, among the other cornerbacks mm-hmm. on, on the team, has been playing amazing football. J.R. Reed right there as well. He was mm. phenomenal last year for the dogs. He's been great this so far this year. Um, and I think last year the biggest problem with Georgia was Malcolm Parrish on the defensive side of the ball. That's not taking away from Malcolm Parrish, who was a shutdown cornerback in 2016. Sure. 2017, I said this before on the show, but he was playing with a broken leg or the remnants of a, of a leg injury that really prevented him from being that shutdown cornerback against Alabama mm-hmm. and against a quarterback who could throw the ball like Tua Tagovailoa. That said, Georgia doesn't necessarily have the same problems this year. So, yeah, they've they've recruited well in both the secondary and the defensive line and the offensive side of the ball as well. Of course, Justin Fields and everyone dual threat quarterback in the country choosing Georgia over pretty much every other team in college football. Sure. Uh, and it'll just be, it'll be great to watch this year. Uh, if the Georgia Bulldogs do play Alabama in the, uh, in the SEC championship game, that said, it's by no means a foregone conclusion that Alabama is going to make it to the SEC championship game because they still have to play Auburn as well in the iron bowl after playing Georgia. So mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen in the SEC West. Uh, the East is pretty much Georgia's to lose at this point in time. So to your point, uh, you know, as much as it, it might be a Georgia-Alabama matchup, I'm not, I'm not completely sold. I, I wouldn't sleep on LSU either. It, oh, and is there I, – I, I know this sounds far-fetched, but is there a chance that they overlook Missouri? They made a bowl game last year. They are at home. Like maybe yeah. I mean it may you know, there, there lose. Might, there might be a little bit. I think Missouri's a very good team. Um, Drew Locke is mm-hmm. a is a good quarterback with a good arm who's going to be a first round pick in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Georgia is I and think I, just too experienced. They're too good. And they're I just want to throw out to be there. Throw it out because Clemson's a team two years in a row that's lost to bad teams. To be honest, so like that's we'll see, man. You can't overlook any game as good as they seem. You got to take every one, every game, one game at a time. Yeah, the SEC is just brutal, absolutely brutal. Yeah, but something to watch for sure in college football uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. A lot of good games, a lot of good games in baseball, and a lot of good games around the yep. Premier League. And that just wraps it up here for us on the show. Hot takes only, Willie. Any last parting thoughts before we sign off for tonight? Nope, nope. That's uh, Syracuse could be Clemson two weeks from now. <laughs> uh, looking forward to that one. Mm-hmm. All right, well, National well, TV, for- ABC. There you go. There you go. Go orange, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that knocks Clemson further down the standings is good with me. Um, well, Do you so- realize, Owen, that Syracuse has one of the best quarterbacks in the country? I'm not even kidding. He's just never healthy. Do you, when do he's you healthy, he's that, incredible. Do you realize that Georgia has Jake from State from at quarterback? What are you wearing, yeah. Jake from State from? <laughs> uh, khakis? Dude, I'm telling you, man, on a per-game basis, Syracuse's quarterback... His numbers are absolutely incredible, man. You wouldn't believe it. He just he ha- gets concussed. He misses like half the season, almost every season. Well, you think about also the teams that Syracuse plays. Um, not exactly the uh, the the best of the best, if you will. Well, you know what I'll say, man. This year the ACC looks very weak, but in the last couple of years it was really strong. Mm, so 
I wouldn't say really strong. I'd say there's two good teams, two consistently good teams in the last few years. Do and they alternated as well. Clemson and Florida State. Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, Miami. Uh, Louisville with Lamar Jackson. I Miami. Think, I think Miami's kind of shown the world that they're not really the elite of Dude, the elite. Well, Syracuse, yet. to put it this way, Syracuse has, is in the same division as Louisville, Clemson, and Florida State. And all three of them, not this year, but in the past, all three of them have been good. Well, so I mean, six awesome. games to get you a toilet bowl, as my, my dad and my brother called it. Well, Florida State was down last year, but before that. Yeah, and I mean, of course they, they won the national title a few years ago, and and obviously Clemson won it as well. But and Louisville's right there, man. They had a couple good seasons. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but it's really well, why are they this... to you? But yeah, Clemson could conceivably go through because the ACC is really down this year. They could conceivably they they right now in our schedule they don't face the right team and. It, Unless they faced in the AC championship game, they placed Virginia Tech. But yeah, the teams just look really down. So we'll see. But you know that's why they play the games, and that's why we watch the games. So we have mm-hmm. content to talk about on the show every week. And be sure you're tuning into the show every Friday, 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern. The show drops on Anchor FM and <laughs> iTunes. Uh, and a little fun fact where you can join our show, uh, join the conversation at anchor.fm, downloading the app. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff mm. on there. You can interact with us as we're doing the show uh, or after we upload the show, just interacting with us. Um, I think mm-hmm. we're going to start getting into a lot of the more integrations with Anchor as we go along here. There's a lot of really cool stuff on there. Of course, bringing back some of our usual guests. Uh, Nick Snyder will make an appearance on the show, I'm sure, at some point in the future as well. Talk about mm-hmm. Arsenal and some more f- uh, soccer. My brother and mm-hmm. his friend as well talk some yep. football as we get uh, <laughs> deeper into football season. Uh, surprise, the Falcons are 1-1 one and, one and not 0-2, oh but, you know. Don't say anything about the Browns. Blind squirrel finds his day. <laughs> I yep. will say nothing about the Browns. I will let you watch that game. Uh, right now I'll watch it right now <laughs> go, watch it right, go watch the end of that game right now uh, and that'll do it for us so as always thank you for tuning in you know yep. where to find us anchor.fm and on iTunes Hot Takes Only is the name of the show featuring Willie and Owen uh, every Friday 7am Pacific Time 10am Eastern be sure to tune in because we love we love making the show mm-hmm. we love getting involved getting getting into it getting stuck in if you will and interacting with, with you our lovely fans our lovely listeners um, and be sure to let us know what you think. Social media will be in the description as always. And for Willie, thank you so much for taking the time to join me yep. again on the show. Really appreciate you taking to, to you know, coming on as usual and, and talking some shop, talking some soccer, yep. talking some baseball and other sports. All right. For Willie, I'm Owen. We'll see you next time. This has been Hot Takes Only Episode 11. See you next time.